0: continuing our series, our journey through Romans. And you guys are in luck. We are almost done. Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 33. Hear now the words of the Lord. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of the signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Ilocrium I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of Him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions... And since I have no longer, no longed for you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also be of service. To them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. There's are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. All of those words. Um. If you're old enough, of course you remember the tragedy in New York, um, the 9-11 tragedy on September uh, 11th, 2001. You remember. I remember specifically where I was. I remember uh, being in a history class in high school. Uh, And and I remember sitting there and we were watching all of the news on national news. We were watching TV and seeing all of these things transpire. We were hearing commentary about all that's happened. Thousands of people perished. Planes flew into the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center. You know the story. This was crazy. Uh, This was one of the hugest tragedies in uh, American history. And so there in New York, you've you've got people that are broken and hurting and so much pain happening in one city at one time. But then there's this church. There's this church right across the street, just a stone's throw away. It's called St. Paul Chapel. This church was built in 1766 and is still standing today. This church was a sanctuary for the weary. This church literally opened their doors. They opened their doors for those who were weary, worn down, and distressed. The rescuers to come in, to put their feet up, to grab some A.C., to lie down, and to experience rest. They were a sanctuary. And they they have the scars to prove it. I actually got to visit this church, and it's on the grounds of a cemetery. And you walk into this church and you see how the flooring has been scarred and they've taken out the pews. But if you were to see images of these pews that were there when these rescuers would come in and put up their feet or lie down on these pews, they have scars. They have scars from the boots of the rescuers. They have scars from the heavy equipment on the backs of the firefighters. They've been gashed and marked up, those wooden pews have. See, it's because this church literally decided to not to push away the weak and the worn down and the weary. But they opened their doors. And you know what they said? The weak are welcome here. The weak, the worn down, the broken, the distressed. You are welcome here. So there, their sanctuary, filthy, uh, uh, broken down pews. And they, they said, come on in. You're welcome here. And that's exactly what we're going to see this morning in our text in Romans. We are going to see Paul talking about uh, to the church of Rome how much the weak are welcome. He's making this point to us this morning. See, the church is a place for the people that don't have a good family name. The church is a place for the folk who have been cast aside. It is a place for the folk who maybe didn't grow up in a Christian home. The church is a place for the worn down, the weak, and the distressed. The church is not just for people who think they have it all together. But the church is for people whose society has looked down upon. It's a place for the weak, the worn down, and the weary. We're going to see three ideas in our time together this morning. We'll see that the people of God are fueled by a message of mercy for the weak. Secondly, we'll see that the people of God should be for the hard places. And lastly, we'll see that people, the people of God must understand that the least of these have something to offer. I've titled this message, The Weak Welcome. Let's pray before we jump into the Word. Father, thank you that Your Word tells us that broken, messed up people like us are welcome in Your house. And Father, I pray that You would make it crystal clear to us this morning that very message that the weak, the worn down, the broken, the least of these are welcome in Your church. Lord, I thank You that You didn't come For those that have it all together. You didn't come for those that are well. But you came for the sick. You came for the folk that are messed up like me. That have issues. You came for those that are in need. And whether we know it or not God. That is all of us. And I pray that you would show us that this morning. Father move me out of the way. Pray that you would do work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you this morning that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have been walking with us through Romans, um, we have one chapter to go. Romans chapter 16 is left. Uh, But since the beginning, we've said that the central thrust can be found in Romans chapter 16. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that last statement there is extremely important for our text this morning. To the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Paul makes it crystal clear that the gospel that he preaches is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. The gospel that Paul preaches is not just for the affluent, it's not just for the wealthy, it's not just for the well-educated, but the gospel is also for the Gentiles. It's for the least of these. Paul goes on to explain our need for salvation. He says in Romans 3 that all of us have sinned. All of us are broke down, busted, and disgusted. All of us have sinned and all of us have a need for Jesus. He says in Romans chapter 6 that because of that sin, what we really deserve is death. We really deserve an internal separation from the Father. Then in Romans chapter 9, Paul begins to explain how God works out this salvation. Then in Romans chapter 11, uh, we said that Paul transitions from the beginning of uh, Romans up to Romans chapter 11. He begins to transition from what we should know to how we ought to live. He tells us that we should love our neighbors. He tells us to be a living sacrifice. He tells us to love one another. And he tells us to love our enemies. Then we come to chapter 15. And I've got to tell you that I love what Paul has done here. Verse 1 says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 1 in chapter 15, we who are strong have this obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. You can send your emails to Richard for what I'm about to say here. Um, But here's what Paul is saying, get this. Paul is saying, I'm not just calling you to be against abortion, but I'm calling you to go to the adoption line. We who are strong. He's saying, I'm not calling you to be a firm believer in trickle-down economics, but I'm calling you to open up your pocketbooks. Paul is saying, we who are strong need to be responsible for bearing the burdens of the weak. As we come to our text, one of the primary ideas we need to see is that the people of God ought to be fueled by a message of mercy for the weak. The people of God ought to be fueled by a message of mercy for the weak. Paul uses the words, the Gentiles, the Gentiles, the Gentiles, over and over again. And if there were a caste system in the first century, i got to tell you that the Gentiles would be at the very bottom. They were the bottom feeders. They were the least of these. And you know the story, the Jews and the Gentiles could not stand one another. That's why we see in Romans, over and over again, Paul reminding the Roman church that, hey, this is a gospel that is not just for you, but it's also for the Gentiles. Yeah, they eat different things than you eat, and yeah, they they have different practices and worship styles than you have, but the gospel that I come to preach to you, the gospel of Jesus, the the Savior of our salvation, He is for, not just for the Jews, but He is also for For the Gentiles, the word Gentile means non-Christian, but it also could mean non-Israelite believer. Uh, The Old Testament shows us that the Jews uh, are God's chosen people, Um, but Paul it shows us that the Jews are the God's chosen people and God's covenant people, and the Gentiles were not a part of that. There is a separation, but Paul brings things together for us. Paul gives us two reasons we can point to as an explanation. For the coming of Jesus. Let me just give you this really quickly. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. It says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. So first, Christ came to the, gent- he came to the circumcised, to the Jews, to, to show that He keeps His word and that He is faithful. But then, look at verse 9. Christ came in order that the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy. Christ came to become a servant that the Gentiles might give God glory for His compassion and that the Gentiles may give God glory for His pity on them. That's one of the reasons that God came. This message of mercy fuel, fuels Paul to keep going. Paul is convinced that the gospel he preaches saves. And it is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. See, Paul is convinced that the gospel is not just for the affluent. It's not just for the wealthy. Uh, it's also for those that society has pushed to the side. Paul gives us numerous evidences uh, in, the, in our passage here from the Old Testament And they all attest to the message of the gospel being powerful enough for the Gentiles. See, Paul knows that the story of Jesus is for the Gentiles. Paul knows that Jesus was found guilty, that Jesus was shamed, so that the Gentiles would not have to be found guilty and be shamed. Paul knows that Jesus was crucified on the cross and He was obedient even to death so that the Gentiles would not have to face death. Paul is clear of this. He's confident that they were given mercy that they may glorify their Father in heaven. To Paul, that message of mercy and the Gentiles glorifying God because of it is most important. Can I confess to you that I, I struggle sometimes. I, I struggle with this message. And I was, as I was studying this passage this week, um, just thinking about uh, even something like the, the, the giving being a bit down at our church. I struggle with that. And uh, as a pastor, thinking about butts being in seats, how many people will come. I struggle. And then I'm, my, my view, my vision is realigned by this passage here. Because Paul is telling me, Chris, what you ought to be worrying about is gospel ministry. That people are coming to saving faith in Jesus. That people are realizing the mercy that has been extended to them. That Jesus stood in their place for their sin. And, and I, my world was rocked this week. because. As a pastor, there's many concerns that we worry about things happening in people's lives and the budget and how many people will come. And I'm reminded that what's most important is the gospel of Jesus. And Paul tells us that this morning. Um, The best picture I can give you is Jesus really submitting Himself to death on the cross. Jesus did that for us He did that for people who did not deserve His compassion. Jesus was obedient to death on the cross. And Jesus' death all the more revealed His heart for the broken, the oppressed, and the undeserving. The reality that Jesus stood on the cross and He stayed there. While people were mocking Him, while people were spitting on Him, the reality that Jesus stayed there and was obedient to death, tells us that His heart is for the broken, the beaten, the worn down, and the oppressed. And so I want to tell you this morning, if you have come in this place with a heavy heart, the cross gives you hope this morning. The cross of Christ says that you can come in the church of Jesus Christ with a heavy heart. You can come in worn down and weary and Jesus' death is for you. says believe. All you have to do is believe in Him. That's why Paul says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Because the church is about broken people being made whole again. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed. Welcome you. Secondly, the people of God should be four hard places. The people of God should be four hard places. Look at verse 14 with me. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Then in verse 15, But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of grace given me by God. Verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul saying, I have I keep reminding you over and over again, Jews, that what God has called me to is not just a ministry to you, but He's also called me to a ministry for the Gentiles. And Paul knows that that's not comfortable. But he's saying, Paul Paul is telling the Jews, the church of, of Rome, look, Jesus has called me not just to the affluent, but He's also called me to those that are beaten down those that are weary. But on some points, he says, I have written to you boldly to remind you, he's reminding them over and over again what his ministry is all about. He's reminding them that his the church is not just for those who know all about Jesus, but it's for the broken down. I've got to think that this, it would be much easier for Paul um, to just minister to the Jews. I've got to think that it would be much easier for him to to open up the Scriptures and to go to their favorite passages. Uh, he knows all of their traditions. He is Jewish. i got to think that it would be much easier for him to go and to minister to them. And Paul can grow these big synagogues filled with all Jewish people. But Paul isn't for what's easy. <laughs> Because his ministry is also to the Gentiles. And i got to tell you this morning, it would be much easier for us to get rid of uh, some of our staff here. It would be much easier for us to get a new worship leader maybe. Um, and to play one kind of music. And to have one kind of leader from the, the same kinds of places. That would be easy. And you know, in fact, that's exactly what they teach you in seminary. It's called the Homogeneous Principle Unit. You get the same kinds of people together and you can grow a church. But what they don't teach you is, what if you get different kinds of people together? What if you get people from different sides of the tracks? What What if you get some wealthy people with some folk who ain't got nothing? Then what happens? It becomes hard. It becomes hard. What if some people are unsatisfied with the kind of music that we play? It becomes hard. Wouldn't it be more easy for us to just become more of a liturgical kind of worship service or to preach some a certain kind of way? Or Wouldn't that be much easier? My answer to you would be yes. It would be much easier. And after almost four years of worshiping on Sunday mornings, our church would probably be larger. We'd probably have a larger budget. But is that what God is calling us to? And what I see over and over again in Romans is that Paul is saying, God has not just called me to those who are fluid, who know the, the, the five points of Calvinism, but He's also called me to people who don't have it all together. That's Paul's message to us. Look at verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Do you see that? Paul's intentionally going to tough places. Paul is making it his business to go where nobody has ever heard. I remember um, back uh, several years ago, uh, I I went to Honduras and we are in the mountains of Yoro. Uh, We're in the mountains for over a week and there's no running water. Um, Our showers consist of baby wipes a couple times a day. Um, There's nothing there. there. There's no electricity um, and so in some, some places can't even afford outhouses, but some of the villages there in the mountains on the mountainside, they do have outhouses. And I remember our team getting up on horses and traveling deep into the mountains with a translator to share the gospel. I remember the first time I met a person that had never heard of Jesus was in the mountains of Yoro. And it blew my mind because I'm just thinking, this is just a few hours from Texas. This is nowhere. But yet, there are people who have never heard of Jesus. And Paul is saying, here's my mission. To go where people have never heard. To do hard things. To not just be comfortable. And maybe God is calling some of you to do that just, just that same thing this morning. Maybe God is calling you to do some hard things. Maybe He's calling you out of your own personal comforts. That's what Paul is doing this morning. See, the life of every believer is to be a witness. Acts one eight tells us, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The life of every believer is to be a witness. We are called out of our comforts to be ambassadors, even in tough places. What will you do? What will be the story of your life? Will it be resting in your personal comforts or Will it be doing the hard things for the name and the fame of Jesus Christ? Lastly, the people of God must understand that the least of these, the weak, they have something to offer. I think it's worth noting the passion of Paul here uh, in our text. The passion of Paul for the work of the Lord. Look at verse 23. Paul says, I have longed for many years to come to you. Verse 24. I hope to see you in passing. And I want to enjoy your company. Verse 33. I want to be refreshed in your company. Let me say this. If you are serving, if you are teaching, if you are a ministry leader and it's leading you into bitterness, you're probably in the wrong place. Paul was excited to do the work of the Lord. He said, I long to come to you. I'm excited about meeting with you and and I'm looking forward to enjoying your company. The end of chapter 15 is essentially Paul saying to the church of Rome, I want to come to you and I'd love to spend time with you. Uh, Please pray for me. Send me financial support. But notice verse 26 here. Paul says, for the Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Verse 27, "...for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles, get this, have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be a service to them in their material blessings." Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you've shared your financial blessings, but the Gentiles have been gracious enough to share in their spiritual blessings. Have you ever met somebody who didn't have very much of anything, but they worship God like nobody's business? See, what Paul is saying is the Gentiles, though they have been cast aside, though they are viewed by the Jews as the least of these, they still have something to offer. They still have something to offer. They have blessed the Jews with their spiritual blessings. Maybe he's talking about their devotion. Maybe he's talking about their consistency, their their worship style, whatever it is. They've blessed the Jews with it. Paul's saying, you've given your money, but the Gentiles have given you spiritual blessings. They have something to offer. Some of us are arrogant as leaders. We lead the people that we serve in a paternalistic kind of way. Let let me help you down there. And that's not the picture that Paul is giving us. Yes, they're giving financially. But the picture that we see Paul giving is both parties, the the haves and the have-nots, the spiritually blessed and the spiritually bankrupt, are giving to one another. They both are serving one another. Um, I remember when I moved to Memphis, the first time uh, I saw day laborers were in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and I read about day laborers, but the first time I saw day laborers in person with my own eyes was in Memphis, Tennessee. And, and, I, and I was intrigued. I, I really couldn't believe it. If you don't know what day laborers are, um, usually um, a Hispanic group of men or Latino or uh, South American group of men. Um, they may be illegals in the country. Um, they may not be able to speak a, a, a good amount of English, and they need to work to support their families. And these men will find locations where um, companies will come to pick them up to work for the day. I remember seeing this with my, my own eyes, and I was on this parking lot, and I saw these group of men with their sack lunches uh, standing and, and waiting. And I just kind of watched. And then I'd see pickup trucks pull up and these men would push each other out of the way to get on the back of the pickup truck to go to work for the day. Um, And it blew my mind. But yet I learned something from them. I'm sitting there watching and, and I thought to myself how ungrateful I am for the things that I have thought to myself, do I value work the way these men value work? Am I a hard worker? Am I using the time that God's given me like these men are working hard for their families? Though society, many in the U.S. would see these men as the bottom feeders. They, they are cast aside. They, they would be the bottom of the caste system in the U.S. I learned something from them. My heart was blessed to, to see it. To see these men desiring to provide for their families. That's what Paul is showing us this morning is that we have something to learn from the weak, the weary, the broken down. Friends, just as St. Paul Church in New York, for one of the worst times in the U.S. history, just as that church opened their doors widely, we as the church ought to be willing to open our doors for people to proverbially put their feet up on the seats and to rest in Jesus' name. Because, get this, you need to know that we all are weak. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 3 that none of us seek after God. None are righteous, not even one. We all are weak and Jesus stood on the cross and said, You are welcome here. And He welcomes the weak even today. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't came into a relationship with Jesus... I want to tell you this morning that Jesus welcomes you. He welcomes the weary. He welcomes the burdened. He welcomes the broken down. There is room for you in His house. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You don't just cast us aside like society does. Thank You, Father, that in Your church, In the the same way that there is room for those in South Bluffs, there is room for those in South Memphis. Thank You, Father, that You didn't just bring a gospel in Jesus for the affluent, but You gave us a gospel for those that are weak and tired and weary, those that don't have it all together those that come from broken families and have tattered paths. Thank You, Father, that You are for the broken as well. And I pray that You would shore up in our hearts our need for You. Father, would You make real our need for the one true and the living God. Thank You for Jesus. Father, we... As well, pray that you would bless these offerings that we're about to receive, these tithes and these offerings. That you would multiply them for kingdom influence at downtown church and in Memphis, Tennessee. For kingdom influence in West Memphis and Marion. For kingdom influence. Lord, that you would give us big dreams for church planting. That you would give us big dreams for raising up leaders. That you would... Give us big dreams through these tithes and these offerings. Thank You for all that You've done. In Jesus' name, Amen.